Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Coming up on this Friday, Go Big Orange Friday, Tennessee Volunteers, All Things Vols, with Saturday Down South's Ethan Stone and Rocky Top Insider and Always College Football with Greg McElroy's Jack Foster to talk all things, you guessed it, Tennessee Vols. Kai Bates, tell us you. Uh, recruiting questions for this 2024 class of the Vols. Wesley Walker at safety, where we stand with the secondary for Tennessee as a whole. Why the Florida game is the biggest must-win this season. Dalton Connect, will he start? And Luke Holman picking the Tigers over the Vols in Tennessee baseball. All that and more coming up next. Hey, y'all. Thanks for checking out the Chase Homes podcast. If you are not already a subscriber and this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys checking out uh, what we've got cooking here on the program. Um, If you enjoy what you hear today, please make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. New episode, new content every single day. Tennessee Vols, Atlanta sports guys, sports reporters assemble, NFL, NBA, college football, all that and more right here on this feed each and every day. Your favorite writers, analysts, personalities in the space on this very feed every day. So if you like that, you like the best national sports talk with a local flavor outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee, then this is the show for you. So make sure you're locked in on your preferred podcast player. And if you're already a subscriber, you know what I'm about to say. But if you could, please leave this show a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or however you're listening. I promise you it helps this show continue to grow, helps other people find the show, and all that good stuff. So if you could take a second today and you're already a fan, you love the show, tell a friend, family member, coworker, whoever about the Chase Homes podcast as we get bigger and bigger each and every day here in Tennessee. I would greatly appreciate it. Five-star review or five-star rating. Write a review. I promise it helps in a major way. Takes a second. Hit that pause button. Take care of it today. And uh, yeah, we greatly appreciate it. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. You know what that means. Ethan Stone of Saturday Down South is here. Ethan, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Just finished a shift at uh, SDS. I've had a long day. I've been up a pretty decent amount today, but some good stuff from ACC and Big Ten Media Days the past couple of days. That's been that's been a, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I love the way you describe being up at six. Like you're just you're, <laughs> I get up at six every day. Like I'm, I mean, my like, alarm. I, say, at, like, I mean, yeah, but <laughs> I've been doing stuff all day. Is I guess what I mean. I usually yeah, so have we all, it. Ethan. Like, haven't we all? You're not getting a pity party from me here. I'm just reading this stuff, and I'm like, welcome to adulthood, sir. Welcome. Like, this is a rude awakening, Ethan Stone. Like, this is part of the deal. You got to... No, I, I guess that's true. I mean, I'm, I'm just getting into the adult life, I guess. So yeah, I'm, you're pretty new. I mean, you got... Yeah. yeah, you're married, though. You're a married man. You got to... You're ready. Mm-hmm. You got to get Home Depot on Saturday. You got to go yeah. 
Maybe some Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know if you'll have time. I just don't know if you'll have time. Also here, making his... I, this is the first time it's an official Go Big Orange Friday member here. Jack Foster, yeah. always college football Rocky Top Insider. Jack, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, it's a great night and um, looking forward to this weekend. Uh, 21st birthday, so all the juices are flowing and just ready for this weekend and uh, football season to start sooner rather than later. Are you excited to find out what alcohol tastes like? Yeah, I actually am. I've <laughs> long been curious. So yeah. <laughs> It's, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for you. It's got to be an exciting feeling to have alcohol for the exact first time, uh, tomorrow night. And for the good folks listening on Friday, they'll, that will be the day that Jack, it, what are you going to do? What, what is your first legal drink going to be? Do you uh, know? Mm, no, I don't know. Mm. So we'll, we'll, we'll may just make a decision on the spot. We'll green see. tea shot might not be a bad idea to start that okay. way. Uh, green tea shot is always, those were delicious yeah. and good way to start the day. Um, I don't so know. I got to ask you a quick question. Yeah. Am I a weirdo for going to the DMV at 8.30 in the morning tomorrow to get a new license? Now you're responsible. I don't think Thank so. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think I'd agree with Chase that's there. I think that, that's people. the last thing that 21-year-old Ethan would have done. So props to you. That, that's Especially good. like 32-year-old Chase, because guess what? who still has a Georgia license? Uh, that would be me. I've lived in the state of Tennessee for three years, and I have not <laughs> once changed my license. I've thought about going to the DMV 13 times, and I just always... I'm like, I don't want to burn an hour or two. I just, I don't have it in. I don't have it in me until it's forced. Cause like my license doesn't expire for like another five years. So I was like, mm, this Here just doesn't feel pertinent. This doesn't feel <laughs> pertinent to my life right now. And if I can get my insurance and my tags and everything in Tennessee, then do I really need to go through that whole process? So you're ahead of me, Jack. You're, you're three ahead years, of me. Three years is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been in South Carolina 50 days and I'm worried about not having my registration. <laughs> All right. Well, that's different. Yeah. You need to have your registration, Ethan. That's way more serious than just changing what state you're in for your license. My license is still valid. I'm not writing dirty out here. Three like, years. hold on, like, sir. I mean, Very I'm, different. I'm getting, I'm getting on top of it. And at the, I mean, we have plans to do it within a week. It's yeah. just three years is crazy. All right. Well, you know what? <laughs> I don't, Come on. Yeah, well, look, it's not a bully pulpit over here, Ethan Stone, just because you're sad that you've been up since 6 a.m. And like this, yeah, don't take it out on me. Don't don't take it out on me. I didn't do this to you. No, it's all good vibes here. Jack's birthday's turning up at 830, though. But see, here's the thing, Jack. You're hmm. in what, Smyrna? No, Paris, Tennessee. Or Paris, Tennessee. Okay. What's the DMV line over there? Are you going to well, be the only an one there? I made an appointment, so hopefully I can be in and out. Right, um, like you're in there. Like yeah. you're, that's gonna be a quick and easy process. Right. I grew up in Atlanta, and like the DMV in Atlanta, you're it's there great. for hours. <laughs> like it's, it's a whole day. Like that's it's an, a whole day event. That's a day. So I think for me, I just have Atlanta in the brain. Like my wife can't stand it. My mom it gets anxiety when she comes up, and she's like, "Do you still have a uh tenant or a Georgia <laughs> license?" And like they all hate it. Like they all collectively get they get collectively more anxiety than I get about it. Like I I just. Maybe part of it is like, I don't want to give up my last Georgia identification. Maybe I want to keep it for as long as possible because it's the last thing that I have that would ever let people know that I am an original Georgian and I'm a, I'm a peach state guy through and through. How would they know? Yeah. I don't You're know. Up Outside of the Braves and Hawks memorabilia in your room. No one knows. But I mean, who's in here? Like this is, exactly. I mean, my wife's very okay. familiar. 
like my wife's uh she's familiar with the whole atlanta stuff she's uh she's familiar with my backstory we made sure to cover that before the wedding um, <laughs> that's a marriage tip that ethan and i can share with you you want to make mm. sure that the wife that your partner is pretty familiar with uh where you're from and where you grew up before you get married <laughs> it, it can go a long way yeah, i would imagine so yeah jack foster uh first question for you here Mm-hmm. What does it mean? Kai Bates uh, makes the f- uh, decision, four-star corner out of Florida, ends up at LSU. LSU made a late push here. It was seemed like it was down to LSU and Tennessee here late. However, he does not end up at Tennessee. Tennessee still has Caleb Beasley, highly sought after corner in this class. You had Christian Conner, you had Ricky Gibson, you had... Um, Jordan Matthews in the last class. So it's not as though they have not um, landed some big uh, high profile corners to this point in the last two cycles, but this is kind of it. And it seems like they're not really in the mix for any other big four or five star corners for this class and that they're going to have to go back in the portal uh, to replenish some depth uh, after this year. But what do you make of Kai Bates not picking uh, the balls? And are you okay with the way this secondary class is going to shake out in 2024? I am. I mean, obviously you'd like to see a player of that caliber commit to Tennessee, but you, I think you hit the nail on the head on the back half of your, uh, when you were asking the question, just the guys they brought in last cycle, those guys are going to be entering their sophomore seasons next year poised to take a big step. I'm high on Ricky Gibson. I think Jordan Matthews is a dude. And of course, Christian Conyers good. And Caleb Beasley, he's a really big commit too, blue chip guys. So, you know, I think I look at this Tennessee secondary here over the next couple of years. It's still a net positive. Kai Bates is a loss for sure. And like you said, there's no other players that they're really in the mix for at the moment, but I'm not too worried about this secondary and I wouldn't lose much sleep over it. I, I think it was kind of alarming Ethan when I looked at it where I was like I didn't realize that Kai if he had ended up picking Tennessee he would have been the highest corner recruit to this point for Hypel's classes like he would have been higher than Caleb Beasley he would have been higher than Matthews and Gibson Conyer like he actually would have been a sneaky big guy and when I look at the last two classes one of the things it's like what uh, Jack you were just talking about with just the depth they built the last two cycles but when you look at the top of both of these two classes Ethan it's still primarily offensive guys. The top 10-ish is still mostly offensive guys. And I mean, that's just going to be part of the deal when you have Josh Heupel as your offensive, or as your coach. Like, you're just going to get the bigger fish. Like, you're going to get the Matthews, the Nikos. The, you're just going to have a better hit rate for the four and five stars on the offensive side of the ball with this kind of scheme. But does it worry you that it does seem like you're there is now a trend here that they're not going to land those kind of premier corners and maybe even defensive line guys that we'll get to in a second uh with this staff yeah i'm i mean i'm not sure i'd say i'm necessarily worried about it like you said tennessee josh heupel the the thing for tennessee is always going to be offense it's flashy you look at the two top recruits in the class of 2024 right now i believe it's staley and it's mike williams Mm. it's two wide receivers and then after that i think off the top of my head it might be might be merkling i'm not really sure i think it's jonathan eccles okay okay uh, tight end, uh, right, another one right there. He's he moving to tight end. Uh, obviously, kind of, I think he was defensive line when he was first, and then wanted to move to tight end later. But I mean, the the thing, the two that Tennessee is going to be always pretty good at. Now we say that, and we're we're going to get into one a little later. But it's going to be Rodney Garner, and it's going to be the flashy offense. That those are the two guys, not two guys, but the two places I feel like that I would feel the most confident for Tennessee. Like you don't have to worry about it. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you may have to worry a little bit sometimes about offensive line. You may have to worry a little bit about secondary sometimes. But Rodney Garner is usually going to do his job. And, and Josh Heupel and just how flashy this offense, the history of it, the success that they've had with Jalen Hyatt, with Hendon Hooker, with Darnell Wright, with uh, just a fun offense in general. It's something that these these young players coming in, they see and they say, I want to go beat Alabama. I want to go out there and, and you know, have the same amount of fun that all these guys that are going to the NFL and, and getting paid for it are, are going to be having. That's just going to compound on top of each other when uh, I feel like when this year happens and once all the, the stars that Tennessee has, Brew McCoy, uh, Joe Milton's going to get drafted. P people like that, when you start kind of keep talking about that, the offense is, is always going to have, I feel like, that pipeline uh, of players that can just re-get people just get people coming in. Um, Rodney Gardner, as I, I feel like we're probably going to talk about here soon, Cameron Franklin, mm. um, one of the more interesting pieces that I think is kind of on Tennessee's radar right now. Um, as far as, like, I don't know, his importance to to Tennessee right now, I don't – I mean, Tennessee doesn't have any, like, big, 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 highest rated lineman that Tennessee has right now. And I mean, I think I think Franklin's like thirty pounds heavier than he is. So mm -hmm. when you, when you see that that kind of level of physicality, you say, oh, that's that's the type of thing that Tennessee really is missing. When you start talking about the fact that hey, sometimes you get a little front loaded with just these flashy wide receivers and these flashy, you know, quarterbacks, whatever, fill in the blank there, where you don't kind of realize that you know, ultimately this game, even though Hypo likes to spread things out a little bit. This game is about the trenches. Football is one of the trenches, ultimately. And so you got to kind of start adding some of these guys uh, eventually as, as the thing moves on here. Jack, how big is Cam Franklin? It looks like he might actually be trending. Like, this is this the nature of recruiting. Like, maybe it is trending back in Tennessee's favor uh, for Cam. And it looks like he might be making a decision sooner rather than later. Um, uh, Bennett Warren is making a decision on July 31st. Uh, Four-star offensive tackle. And it looks like that one's down to Tennessee, Michigan. So that's a lot of big targets where Tennessee is the final two. And if you want to see a fan base explode, if Tennessee is the final two for Cam Franklin, Kai Bates, and Bennett Warren, and they don't close any of those three, like Mike Matthews is great. It's a big win. But like, that's a, like, Hypel's going to get introduced to the first iteration of like, the balls are like, is this Dan Mullen all over again? Is this like, this is the stuff that you, that, look it doesn't mean the sky is falling it just means that like okay this might be a problem like i think if they go over three, I think it's fair to be like okay what this can't be the trend year over year like if you want not because we talked about before we got started here you can't compare it to georgia georgia's is in their own stratosphere that's what you want to uh -huh. be then you're just going to be unhappy for the remainder of being a tennessee fan really uh just stay away from that for for a while just keep that out of your mind but in terms of florida in terms of a&m in terms of bama in terms of LSU teams like that where it's like you're trying to some you you want to be better than that 10 to 12 range and Bama's coming in if you look at the teams who are behind Tennessee right now a couple of them are going to pass them eventually like you look at the commits that they have in the boat and I'm like Tennessee's got to be careful here because like they finished 12th last year I think in their class they're sitting right at nine or ten depending on who you look at but Franklin goes somewhere else and then you're really looking at like, oh, they're going to have to hit the portal again. They're going to have to find not just an Omar Norman lot in this cycle. They're going to bring two different guys. Like you got Devin Hobbs, who hopefully will be a big guy, but Gardner rotates. Rodney Gardner plays a lot of dudes in the defensive line and you have to get more and more dudes. And we haven't even seen uh, the Joshua Josephs and the James Pierce breakthrough yet. Maybe that's yep. this year, but like 
I think it's fair for fans to kind of wonder about what's going on with the defensive line and where we're prioritizing uh, recruiting resources if Bates, Warren, and Franklin end up elsewhere. And fan and Cam Fountain too from a while back. What what do you think? Right. No, I think it's huge. And you talked about all those SEC teams that have ruled the SEC from recent memory, LSU, Georgia, Bama. What does it seem like they have every single year, no matter what? Mm. A dude who can get after the quarterback. Uh, Tennessee needs one of those guys to keep up with those teams. And maybe Josh Joseph ends up being that guy in the near future. But I think Cam Franklin will be a huge gift for Tennessee and one that is of the utmost importance. They talk about staying in the top 10 and recruiting class for the 2024. I think they need a guy like Cam Fountain to, or Cam Franklin to further cement themselves in the top 10. I think this one is significantly more important than Kai Bates was. Um, and, you know, you talk about Rodney Gardner, you have faith in him to be able to get stuff like this done, but you want to see it with a big time recruit like Cam Franklin. So, you know, I think this one is really important and probably the most important in the 2024 class moving forward, not as a whole, maybe, but definitely moving forward. And I should say, like, if you look at the current 247 rankings right now, teams that are behind Tennessee, they're at 10th, A&M, LSU, Oregon, Oklahoma, Miami, Texas. I have a very hard time believing the majority of those teams are not going to add more commitments and they're going to pass Tennessee. And yeah. I'm not Some saying they all out. will, but it can get ugly in a hurry. And yeah. it's just recruiting's tough. And this is the toughest part, but talent acquisition is still the name of the game. And for, like the scheme's awesome. It's great. But talent acquisition wins. And for Tennessee fans who are pointing out like they're 9-10, okay, like that's where they're at right now. But there is a lot of movement, and I have a very, very hard time believing that Texas is going to finish 20th in recruiting. <laughs> I, I have a hard time believing that that's going to be the case. Like, I just, they're coming. So you have to close on some of these big names if you want to stay in that that important blue chip ratio range. And I just think this is going to be a big next couple of weeks because then it just really dies down um, until those late Arian Carter type uh, additions right before uh, national sign or early signing day. Uh, later on this year but i don't know i i'm very curious to see what happens uh down the stretch here but i think it's <laughs> excuse me very okay for tennessee fans to be a little bit uh concerned about that uh switching gears a little bit when we we're talking about uh the secondary for the vols ethan i want to do a different uh, position preview uh here on this very program uh week over week as we get ready for the college football season return and i wanted to first ask we talked about kai bates at the top of the show when you look at the secondary depth and you look at the whole the group as a whole, who will start, who's going to get a lot of time, where are you at? Are you optimistic that this secondary makes a jump? And who are you maybe the most excited about in the in the secondary this year? And who are you most dubious slash worried about? A lot of questions. I'd say most excited. I'm pretty excited to see Wesley Walker um, mm. from a PFF legend. Position. What? PFF What's... legend Wesley Walker. Yeah, safety in the country. From from a safety position that last year, I mean, let's just let's just call it how it was. It it was bad. Mm. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. Tennessee uh, safety position last year with Trayvon Flowers obviously moving out, kind of some uncertainty with Jalen McCullough right now with him facing. I don't even know what it was from like eight months ago. I, I like an assault charge that he's getting indictment for. I'm not really sure how that's playing out, so I'm not going to speak too much to it because I just don't know. But at safety, the one thing that feels pretty safe right now, I feel like it's Wesley Walker 
kind of the backup guy that's going to be moving into the starting position this year. And I'm also interested to see who's going to be that other steep right next to him. I mean, is it going to be Christian Charles, who is kind of moving back to his position that he was as freshman in 2021 after moving to corner 2022, kind of showing some flashes there and then them wanting to move him back. And that, that kind of brings me to another thing here is if they're confident that Charles can be moving back to safety, at least to start spring, uh, which is, mm. you know, when that, when that started, if they're confident in that, they have to be confident in at least a couple of the cornerbacks, because as of right now, the way I see it is probably Gabe Judy Lolly and then Kamal Haddon, maybe, um, maybe Danico Slaughter there. And then you start running into some of the freshmen, you know, Matthews, Gibson, either one of them potentially making a bit of an impact to where they feel comfortable enough to move Charles over to safety. Um, and then what am, what am I forgetting here? At the, at the star position, I feel like that's pretty locked up as well with, with Tamarian McDonald. I feel like he's he and Walker are probably the two extra safe ones that, that are going to have their spots in the secondary solidified. Everywhere else, man, it's it's there's a lot of guys, kind of similar to how it was last year. There's a lot exactly all the puzzle pieces are going to fit. And I feel like there's potential for it to be fine, you know, for them to find those pieces after a bit of, you know, plugging in, seeing if it works, seeing if this thing works better than than, a, than another one. But, uh, I mean, if I had to name you a starting five back there right now, I'd say probably it's Marion McDonald at the star and then Wesley Walker at the safety. Probably Nico Slaughter just because he's a bit of a safer option right now uh, at the other safety spot, and then Judy Lawley and probably Kamal Adden at, at the corner spots. I think that's the big thing too, Jack. Is like I think Gabe Judy Lawley, I'm super in on. I think I'm all in on Gabe Judy Lawley, oh, and I want to see Danico back to safety. The hope is like Tank McCullough is not the starter in the back end. That you go Wesley Walker and Danico as your two safeties. I think you feel pretty good if that's where you end up as your starting safeties uh, to start the year. I think every Vol fan would be, feel pretty good about that. Um, and then Kamal Haddon, we'll see. Like It seems like he's had a good spring, but if you have Gabe Judy Lolly and Kamal Haddon, I think that's a good spot to be in. But I wor- the one thing I worry about moving Danico is like, would Willie Martinez start Warren Burrell? And I just, I can't take Warren Burrell on one side and Kamal Haddon on the other. I won't allow it. I can't do it. I, I just, I can't. Like two completely different corners, for very different reasons, but I think I just I, I, I my sanity could not uh, could not work out. I don't know if you're in the same boat. You know, I feel like Warren Burrell's always kind of gotten a bad rap. I mean, he's just not good. He's not, but I'd rather have him. Like, I think he'd be more effective than Kamal Haddon. Like, I, I feel like he should be. I ahead don't of even Kamal know Haddon. about that. At least Kamal Haddon's gonna try. Warren Burrell is yeah. going five feet off. That man is like, uh, you, how much cushion would you like? Warren Burrell is just like the most <laughs> laid back cornerback we've ever had at Tennessee. That man is just like, whatever you want to do, you're like, you're not getting behind me. Like, you're not, uh, you're you're not going to beat me 80 yards down the field, but you want this 40 in front of you? You want this five yard curl? That's all you, sir. This is, this is your space. This is, this is your space. I'm getting some cardio. Like, I'm here. I'm out here. We're in good shape. But like, yeah, that's, that's my game. If you, you have your space, I'll have mine. And uh, we'll have a fun time. Kamal Haddon's like, hey, I'm getting burned. Guess what? I'm still talking. Like, uh, the yeah, next yeah. play, I'm that's, getting a pick six. Like, that's, well, that's how it works. Yeah. He'll always go down for trash talking SC when it's a blowout. 100%. I mean, goodness gracious. But he might actually, but he's more, I think he's more talented or has a higher upside than Warren Burrell. 
<laughs> we know exactly what Warren Burrell is at this point as a corner. I don't think there's another jump there, right? Fair. Yeah, I wouldn't assume so. And you know what? You're five at least, maybe six. I mean, yeah. Um, Did he play all? How much? How much? When was he, he played like three or four games last year? Okay. And then nah, was out for the season. But Sorry. To originally answer your answer your question, I think Danico Slaughter's got to be big for Tennessee secondary yeah. this season. Um, you know, Gabe Judy Lally, yes, but you know he's a transfer. Danico Slaughter, this is his time to shine. And um, you know, Wesley Walker, I'm probably the most excited about. Like Ethan said to see what he can do with that full starting role and playing the majority of the snaps. But Danico Slaughter, I think, has a lot of potential. He flashed a little bit last year. Needs to kind of put it all together. There was a lot of times where it was ugly, and there was a lot of times where it was really great with Danico Slaughter on the field last year. So if he can put it all together, I think he'll be a really solid piece for Tennessee and one that's maybe flying under the radar a little bit here in the offseason. Jack, I'm just real fast, I'm, I'm a little confused not about Slaughter in general, but just where I guess the team is – or the, the coaching staff is kind of wanting him to be. It, it feels like I've heard some things that he's safety, some things that he's kind of a backup corner. I, I don't yeah. know. Do you have any insight on that? I thought coming out of the spring, I thought Danico was going to play more corner um, and that Christian Charles was pretty much all the way back to safety. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, Walker and, you know, you got Tank and Turntine and other guys at safety too. But I thought Danico Slaughter was going to primarily play corner this season. Um, if Charles takes a step and he's really good at safety i think that's where you want slaughter uh is that corner mm-hmm. because the depth at corner is taking away the freshman not trying to rely on them too much is not a whole lot I, I think the secondary depth as a whole is good but how many you know guys that can really provide some you know that can really do something on the field is what i'm trying to say there's a lot of guys but how many are going to be that effective so if yeah. slaughter is effective at corner i think you plug him there if uh, christian charles is back at safety and making an impact I think before we move on from corner, I, I think just in general, the room kind of going back to Chase's original question, and I'll, I'll keep it brief. I, I think I think the secondary could be legitimately a considerably better like step up from last year. I also think it can absolutely just tank and be awful. Like I, the, I don't depending on depending on the how the coaching staff decides to go about putting the puzzle pieces. That I think at the very beginning of the season is really going to put be an impact of kind of how it succeeds moving forward. I, think, I don't know. I just I, there's just a lot of guys. There's a lot of people that can play their specific positions. I'm just not like where's best. I guess is the main question for me heading into heading into training camp, heading into the season. I just. I think there's a chance where it's like this, the play, like there may be more talent back there, but I think the defensive line could be worse this year than a year ago. And if the pass rush is worse than a year ago and Roman Harrison and Tyler Barron don't take a major step or Joshua Josephs and James Pierce are just exactly what they were a year ago. The pass rush is worse. Like Byron Young was really it like for a lot of the year. Like he was incredibly important um for that group and i just I will take say, away. i'll walk back a little bit i don't think i meant completely fall out but i do think they could potentially the secondary anyway could potentially be worse than last i, I don't mean to the only position group on defense I mean, guys so you know ultimately they're, they're not going to just fall apart so that, that was that was kind of a mistake on me. well i think the only i don't know if you share this opinion jack but like the only position i think is actually settled and i'm not worried about it at all is linebacker like yeah. keenan pilly aaron carter aaron beasley it's done like i'm i'm good plug and like, play they, aaron, plug and play yeah. yeah, they're they're gonna we'll be see. good. I'm not worried about those three, and it, like just they're gonna be I'm good. Not, yeah, yeah, 
and Big O in the interior is yeah. good. But but even the interior defensive line depth isn't great behind him. Um, yep. But I, I really am high on Josh Josephs, so I think the pass rush will be fine. I don't know if it'll be better than a year ago. I think if Tennessee's going to win 10 games, it has to be. Mm. But, um, you know, it could be. It has the potential to be. Uh, I think Pearson Josephs are really talented, and I always thought, you know, Roman Harrison had a pretty good season last year when he was on the field, and maybe he can take a step. And Tyler I love Barron. Roman Harrison. I feel like you kind of know what Tyler Barron is, but yeah. no. He could be better. But I, I think the upside for Tennessee's pass rush lies definitely in Joshua Josephs and Roman Harrison not too far behind. And then the linebackers solidified. Secondary, to go back to what Ethan said, I don't think it can be worse because I feel like it was really bad last year when the injury bug hit. Yeah. Like, the other guys weren't playing great, but think about how many guys were injured. Like, it was just so many uh, in the back yeah. half of the season. So, with how many guys they have this year, I don't feel like that'll be as much of a deal, big deal. Yeah, I think that was a bit of a misspeak. I don't think they can absolutely crash and burn. I think they have the potential to be worse, but I don't think they can crash and burn. I, that was totally a misspeak. Okay. Um, The have-to-win game. I'm curious on this front, Ethan. What do you think is the most important game on Tennessee's schedule? If you had to say, is like just the one that Tennessee and Josh Heupel cannot lose this year in year three, what would you circle as like just you have to to win this particular game i'm curious if, what would if it you be had for? asked me this a month ago i think i would have had a different answer but right now i think i'm fully set on it the answer is florida i mm. mean it's it's early it's early in the season tennessee doesn't win that game they're in a world of hurt i mean the the balls i feel like have this opinion i guess or the fan base definitely me a hundred percent even a month ago this is why i, I, I kind of led with that Mm-hmm. Is you have this perception that Florida is just going to lie down and they're not very good under Billy Napier and they're just going to kind of go away and blah blah. But like they got talent. I mean, they absolutely have the talent and they're at they're at home and it's the beginning of the season with a new quarterback for both teams. But uh, I mean, with Tennessee not exactly you know getting the the elephant or the monkey off their back uh, last year by by beating Florida, I feel like a lot of people just assume it's a given that the Vols are just going to go in the swamp and beat them, as if that has been what Tennessee has been able to do the past couple decades here. Um, so it's it's absolutely Florida. I mean, game three uh, at the swamp, you got – I mean, if, if you lose that game, you can't even – I mean, you, you go into the UTSA game, which is going to be plenty difficult by itself – you're already going to be sitting with a two and one record. That's not even close to what the vibe of what this team wants. It's not the goal of what this team wants. I mean, you want to be competing against Alabama and, and Georgia, but you don't want to look past them too much to the point where the Gators kind of shock you like they did Utah uh, in week one last year. I think it's Florida too, Jack. Do you disagree? Cause I, it's funny too, to think about losing to Florida. Like you are probably going to win the Virginia and Austin P game by like a combined hundred points. Like, I think that might be yeah. the margin there um, for Tennessee. And then things get like, it's just a completely different world going into Gainesville with Joe Milton and Joe obviously saying like, he doesn't lose in Florida, which is just going to be played all week long. And it's just probably on that bulletin board uh, for uh, Florida that week. But like, then you have UTSA at home, South Carolina at home, A&M at home, like you get a buy yeah. there, which is nice, but like then at Alabama, at Kentucky, like it doesn't get easier. Like so you have to shake that off quick. Like you can't just like mope about it. You're like, oh, we've got a top fifteen, top ten offense coming into Neil in the following week. We have to get up for that. And then we got Beamer Ball coming in the like there's just a lot of pressure to completely bounce back if the Florida game goes awry. And if they lose at Florida, I think it's because 
Joe Milton imploded. Like, I think that's something where the offense is not good. If Tennessee loses to Florida, it's because it was an absolute mess uh, at quarterback, I feel like. Jim Hurts isn't going to be the person that beats you. There's another way. When looking at Florida, yeah, I was going to say, when looking at Florida this season, I mean, yeah, the running back do great, but, you know, Tennessee's rush defense is really good. So, yeah, not going to lose a lot of sleep over Tennessee facing those guys. I legitimately think Florida's passing attack right there with Auburn could be the worst in the SEC. Hmm. And not, I'm just not high on the Gators. It could be a disaster for them this season. I really believe that. I know their defense probably maybe a little bit better, but man, I just don't see when looking at both rosters, Florida and Tennessee, like something really bad has to happen for Tennessee to lose that game. I don't care if it's on the road. I don't hmm. care that the Swamp's been a house of horrors. Something really, really bad has to happen. And I just don't see Joe Milton imploding like that. Um, hmm. Maybe it happens, and if they lose to Florida, that's a really bad sign for how the season's going to go. But I am more confident in Tennessee beating Florida than I am South Carolina, Kentucky, A&M, and of course the big two, Georgia and Bama. I think Florida's the sixth hardest game on Tennessee's schedule. Um, but it probably is the most important to win because of winning in Gainesville and everything that's associated with that and the fact it's early in the season. So with this question, yeah, it's probably the technical answer, but I really view Kentucky and A&M as those swing games. Uh, I think you lose to Bama and Georgia. Um, Would you flip Georgia and Florida on the schedule if you could? Oh, uh, yeah. And like, get the Georgia game out of the way. Yeah, like, let's I, do that week three. I gonna, yeah. I don't think Tennessee's beating Georgia in any scenario. So, right. yes. You'd I think I'd get flip that it, over. too. Like, it, I think I'd rather get Florida football. late. And it's one of my biggest pet peeves is, is when you lose matters so much. Yeah. And it's such a flaw in how the rankings are done. Yeah. So, yeah, you always want the hardest games at the beginning. Look what happened. Florida also does seem true. Florida seems to start well and, and finish awful too. So I yeah. absolutely get it. <laughs> and it's just they just look at last year as a perfect example. Yeah, and I mean, look at South Carolina. We play South Carolina different at home at the beginning of the season than we do at night on the road. Like I just yeah. I refuse to do any more night games in South Carolina late in the year. Like let's just we're not doing that. If we're playing South Carolina late in the year, we're playing at noon, and that's it. Three thirty at the at the latest is what I'll nine o'clock at the latest. <laughs> nine in the morning. <laughs> let's get this thing. Let's do a nine a.m. kick. I would love a nine a.m. kick. <laughs> nine a.m. kick lie. versus South Carolina in October. I would love it. Nine. It might need to be like I don't know if y'all are familiar with the the weather right now here in the southeast, but we might need to do South Carolina Tennessee at nine a.m. in uh, September because I remember what it was like two years ago at home. It was one of the hottest college yeah, football games I've been to in my life, and I'm just waiting for what it's going to be in the next month. It's going to be, oof, There's going to be some passing out, and there is going to be uh, just a lot of sweat pouring in and out of uh neon stadium uh in the next month but look that's what we're here for um ethan when we switch gears here a little bit quickly on ball balls basketball uh case for and against series here starting dalton connect when you think about this roster and we're gonna throw in a healthy sakai here like when sakai is healthy when you look at the makeup of this team why do you think Dalton Connect should end up being a starter and being one of uh, his uh, Coach Barnes's main five, or why do you think he should not and he should be viewed maybe in a Tyreek Key role more so? Which way do you lean right now? I'll, I'll, I'll make the I'll make both cases, but the case four, um, I'll take the words right out of Barnes's mouth is his versatility. I mean, I don't think this is the standard necessarily three and D guy that, that Barnes has gone to the portal and gotten lately. I 
I, I think he would surprise a lot of people with how physical he is. I think he is a better ball handler than people would think he is. He's more than just a three-point shooter, even though he is a, a dang good three-point shooter. I think he was 39% last year at uh, obviously Northern Colorado. It's going to be a little bit tougher moving into into the SEC against SEC defenses, and he's probably going to drop a little bit in, in production there. But he's still a, a good three-point shooter with a good shot, and he has the versatility to kind of be able to move around him more. I mean, if I, I think the lineup for Tennessee basketball – you saying that, that Zakai is healthy in this scenario would be Zakai, Santi, you put Dalton at the three with Josiah at the four and then Toby at the five. I think that'd be so much fun. Huh. I think that gives Tennessee a lot of different things they can do because of because of Dalton's uh, versatility, because how Josiah has proven that he can play at, at the four. Toby's growth just in general, uh, I feel like at the five would be interesting kind of playing more of a a small thing, but you still have enough length and athleticism with Josiah and, and connect that at the three and the four that, you know, you can probably see some positive things on both the offensive and defensive side. I, I don't really, I'm kind of in the dark on how, I guess, a tunes connect is to the, you got to play defense or you're not going to play here thing. I, I don't really know where he stands right now. I don't know if he's a good defender, if he's a great defender, if he's a poor defender, I can't really read, uh, I guess, things from practice too much. What I've gotten is that Northern Colorado, he's a pretty good defender, but that's at Northern Colorado. I mean, you, you, you got to move that up when you're going against SEC-level competition against Arkansas, Kentucky's, you know, Texas A&M's of the world. It's going to be a little tougher. As far as the, the case against him starting is everything Rick Barnes has ever shown about how he makes his lineups, which is, I mean, he's going to go with what he's familiar with. He's going to go with the guys that he trusts. He's going to go, I mean... Well, what I said, I think I've said on this show before that it's very likely going to be Zakai, Santi with Josiah at the three, Tobey at four, and then Jonas Adu at the five. It's a traditional look, and it's something that Burns dislikes. It's it's something that he's comfortable with, and that would be the case against is just Barnes likes who he's got. He likes his, um, I guess, the familiarity uh, of the people that he has, and he knows he can trust them. He knows he can walk them out there and they're going to play good defense and, and they're going to play, I guess, to his style and, and they're going to do what he says. Uh, and that, that would be my case against because it's just not, it's not exactly like Barnes unless you're just losing with talent to be able to kind of switch things up like that. So your case against is more so Barnes track record than anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think, and, I think connect is, I mean, it's just so tough because he's coming over from North Colorado, but I, I, I do think he is, a good starting option for this team if you go away from what Barnes usually likes to do. Yeah, he is. Um, but I think the bigger case against is Jemai Maychak. Uh, mm. yeah, that's I, a good one. That's, you that's made a lot one. of good points, Ethan, in what you said. Josiah's ability to play the four I think is really strong. I think Tobey Awaka is Tennessee's best post player this year. But Jemai Maychak's what he did last year and how he also fits what Barnes likes, you know? Mm-hmm. The yep. deep defender through and through. I think he plays that three and Josiah plays the four. Mm. Um, and then Zakai and Santi at the one, two. You, I could see a path where Connect starts over James, maybe. But I don't know. I feel like Jemai Meshack has earned his spot in the starting five. And he's going to be a starter for Tennessee this season. Maybe they go big with Awaka and Adu still. Uh, it's not a lot of offense in that five, but we'll see. I don't know. I I feel like I'd lean more so in 
on the side of Connect doesn't start for Tennessee, at least early yeah. on in the season. Non-conference play. Maybe he does in conference play. We'll see how it always shakes up. Something happens. But I think Jemai Meshek is going to be a big factor for Tennessee basketball this season, no matter which way you slice it. I would I would 100% agree with Jack for what it's worth. I would say if you had to if, if you had to say right now who who's it going to be, is is he going to start, I would make the case against. And I, I do think it's a good point that he brought up that 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 Jemai would probably in, in that scenario, even if even if we wanted to go a kind of small ball approach, I, I think I'd agree that he would go Jemai just because, like I said, he's familiar with him. He's a great defender. He's shown that he can be a great defender. And he's also shown the versatility that he could do the one, two, or the three Jemai. Mm-hmm. So I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, it's also like it's a good sign if it's not Jemai for Dalton because that means he beat out Jemai. Like he's playing better. He he earned Barnes's trust. Like I think Jemai is like to more of Jack's point here. Like I think he's going to get the benefit of the doubt for what he did last year. Like I think it's his job to lose. Like Dalton is going to have to play better defense. He's going to have to score more. And there's going to be a fine balance. Oh, I think that's going to be yeah. part of it. Is like Barnes is going to have to find. Because a lot of these guys, I mean, Meshack has a lot to be desired on the offensive end. Toby Awaka has a lot to be desired in the offensive end. And, like, they're going to have to play. Like, what if Dalton Connect has a lot to be desired in the defensive end? What if Freddie DeLeon leaves a lot to be desired in the defensive end? Like, I think he's just going to have to... He's going to have to be very careful with how he organizes this rotation. And I I wonder, too. I, I, I would say that Dalton does not start, but I would not be surprised if he's a starter in January because <laughs> you know Barnes is going to start Jamai, Jonas and Tobe and it's always going to be like the first four minutes of the game and we're just <laughs> all in the group chat like oh who would have thought that it was two nothing four minutes yeah. into this game and there's just an absolute rock fight but they're already exa- the other team's exhausted because they're like can you please like this is not basketball I don't know what this is um friend of the pod jay billis can't watch it he's like this is uh this is too much this isn't basketball and we're gonna be get we're gonna get that all year long uh with some of the lineups that barnes throws out but like i think the starting five will be dillion um santi uh it was Zakai hurt yes would was yeah. Zakai? well hold on i was gonna say too oh. i think dillion and santi play well together and I think if they play well, Barnes was very open about like I did not want to start Sakai. Like we all remember the Colorado That's experiment true. Uh, okay. last year. I think year. he was like that for a while, and then he wasn't towards the end though. But, I think, yeah, for I sure. Was but like at you with crazy pain. chase, but I actually kind of agree with you. That's that's a good point because he uh, Zakai plays better off the bench. He yeah. just does. He he just does. So that that's not a bad point. I I, I don't I don't hate the take. I think it. My gut is I think DeLeon and Santi. He just Dillion should theoretically with what we look and he's bigger than I thought he was going to be like mm-hmm. watching those practice videos on Rocky Top Insider go subscribe to the YouTube page if you haven't already um Dillion's big like he's a lot bigger than I thought he's long he's lanky and I think he is someone as a combo guard more than happy to score I think he's going to take a lot of pressure off Santi and I could see he and Santi working a little bit better um, than people might expect right out of the gate here and having some really good chemistry. And if that's working, Barnes is going to roll with what's working and he's not going to rush Zakai back, especially in the lineup in heavy minutes. Like that's actually the best of both worlds for Tennessee. If Zakai doesn't need to start and Freddie is playing at a really good level. Like if Dalton ends up starting, it's because he's playing better than Jamai. And like, that's a good thing because that was a big transfer portal win. So it's like if Dalton's in the starting lineup, Guess what? That means Tennessee hit on that transfer and that he is he's a really important player because he has a higher upside than Jemai. We we all love Jemai Meshack and what he did. But like I mean, if 
He's Tennessee limited. is going to make a Final Four yeah. run. I think you would prefer you would. There's a better path to Dalton Connect being the three in that scenario than mm. uh, than Jamai. But Josiah Jordan James, I don't think we'll start. I just think there's going to be a lot of different matchups. But I do think the first one I wanted to start with was was Dalton because I'm I'm curious to see how that goes. Maybe he wins it outright in camp though. Maybe it's something where he plays better with the starters than Jamai does, and we see uh, Dalton. But I think. That is the first big matchup here is Dalton versus Jemai, because I think it's down to those two at the three. I agree. Fully agree. Not DJ so Jefferson wait, you, here. You don't think Josiah is going to be... Or, or do you think Josiah is going to start anywhere, Chase? No, I don't. I don't think I don't think. You don't think Josiah they're going to implement small ball ever? Yeah. Oh, a walk a do every time? Yeah, he's going to walk a do. Like, there's no way See, Barnes is not starting that way. I would I would be very surprised. I if think that's the opening Dalton. day starting on it for sure. Yeah. But I don't I, know how I would, long it lasts. I would be very surprised if both Dalton and Meshach are over Josiah at the three. I would think they'd move Meshach. No, I, I would not be surprised. Yeah. Really? Well, I think I, I would be more surprised if Ledlam was still in the lineup because Ledlam can't play. Like, Ledlam can only be at the four. So, like, if you want to get Josiah minutes and if he's back in this scenario and Ledlam's still here, the four. I think Ledlam, I mean, I would say that Josiah would have to play a lot of three because there's no room. Like, if you're going to do Ledlam, Tobey, and Jonas, like that's just Ledlam can't move up. Like Josiah is the only versatile, uh, quote unquote, mm. big in this scenario, so he would have to slide up to the three. Uh, but because they're kind of thinner there now, and I'm sure Barnes has no interest in playing JP Estrella a lot of minutes as a freshman, then maybe, maybe I think JP Estrella sees court. And I think he does know, too, but I don't think he, Barnes wants to. <laughs> I don't think that was Barnes's plan. No. That's fair. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I I think Josiah does not have a path to starting. Uh, right out of the gate, and I think he plays more four than anything. I, I think, think that's the problem. I, I, I'm not. I, I'm not sure. I'm convinced that he's going to start, but I do think that's surprising that you don't think there's a path for him to start with. Just, just Barnes's whole thing. I mean, I'll, I've been harping on it for, <laughs> for for ten minutes now. Just Barnes's whole thing with familiarity. I really find it surprising that you don't think he'll find some. I mean, he's he's the oldest guy on the team. Yeah. But I think yeah, there's I, more spunk, like him coming in off the bench, especially without Zakai. Like he's uh, fine as a lead ball handler. I think there might be some with Zakai out to start the year. I think they the smart play is to let him run the second unit and to run first guy out, bring the ball up a lot, take the pressure off Santi and stuff. I think there's more value bringing Josiah off the bench than anybody else. Fair. I, I mean, I've already said it basically, but I think there's a path to him starting. I just think it's at the four. Not the third. No. So that's where I stand. And it'd be a small lineup for Tennessee, which is not what we see Rick Barnes implement a lot. And that's why I don't think it'll happen at the very beginning of the season, but maybe by the time SEC play rolls around. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. I think there's going to be a lot of lineups. I think that's unavoidable. Yes, that's what I'm sir. most excited about. I think there's just I think there be- needs to be a lot of Toby at the five, man. <laughs> I think I think I think Toby at the five makes this lineup so interesting because you got the talent of Meshack, of James, of likely connect to be able to move that versatility around i think that, that creates a, a lot of possibility I, and i like jonas i do i just i, I just think that the toby is the better option to five unless you're going up against you know uh, armando baycott or something like that i'm not really worried you know. about it. i'm not worried about armando baycott after what we saw this past year <laughs> uh, <laughs> tennessee's not really sweating that matchup uh jack as we wrap up here tonight here on good big orange friday your birthday is going to be here in like an hour. So right. like we got to get out of here before Jack officially yeah. turns 21. Um, Holman, 
Luke Holman, Drew Beam, yeah. not a closer, we found out. He, that's why we've always called him a starter. Drew Beam's only a starter. He's not a closer. And he doesn't know Luke, his ABCs, does he? <laughs> he does not. He is not always closing. And <laughs> Luke Holman, former Alabama ace, now LSU ace. He makes the jump, following Paul Skeens um, to be the next just dominant tiger arm that drives us all mad next spring. So came down to Tennessee and LSU. Tennessee does not wind up with Holman. What does this mean for Tennessee and their rotation going forward, Jack? It hurts. Um, I, I think it stings more than anything that you lost the two pitchers that you're probably going after most in the transfer portal to the same school. Mm. And Xavier's Justin Lower and Luke Holman, both to LSU. That's a tough pill to swallow. But I think the rotation will be fine. Um, Luke Holman would have helped matters tremendously. Tremendously. But you got Drew Beam as the Friday night guy, presumably, uh, unless some, unless they add another guy. I don't think A.J. Russell's starting on Fridays. And then after that, I think A.J. Russell's a fine um, starter for Tennessee next season. But then that third one's completely up in the air. I would think Wyatt Evans and Nate Snead are the top two candidates. I don't know if I have a lean right now. I'd have to, I'm going to have to see what Wyatt Evans looks like in fall ball because he obviously didn't play at all last year, but he showed a lot of potential in his freshman season, man, and he's a lefty. So... You know, that's a chip in his belt. But Nate Sneed's got gas. He's a good arm. Um, I'm curious to see what Frank Anderson can do with him to make him a more well-rounded pitcher, get him another pitch in there in his arsenal. Um, I think he has a higher ceiling maybe than Wyatt Evans, but it'll be down to those two to me for that third starter role. Um, And I feel like Holman going to another school all but nut locks A.J. Russell as a starter. I think A.J.'s going to be good. Like, A.J. was awesome. That's true. Yeah. I mean... There is not another pitcher on Tennessee's roster that did what A.J. Russell did. And what I'm talking about is not have a bad outing. Yeah. A.J. Russell was never bad. You never saw him do a bad job when he was in a game. Never happened. Yeah. So. I think they're fine. I think Beam and A.J. is fine. But like Chase Burns also out at Wake. It's yeah, nice that he didn't end up at LSU too. That would have been a three for three I, situation. That would have been just... Uh, give him just another pretty, title. Yeah. Goodness gracious. But I mean... I don't know. I think it's like Wyatt Evans. Like we'll see, but there's no one else in the portal, right? This is it. Like they're done. So we're uh, this is whoever's in the building right now is going to be starting uh, for Tennessee the next spring. I would believe so. Yeah, I don't think they're pursuing much of anyone else. There's a couple of other good pitchers in the portal, but you know, uh, Braden Montgomery comes to mind. But I think Tennessee's done. Oh well. Time to tamper. Um, Ethan Stone, what can the good folks check out from you and the team at Saturday? What a way to close. <laughs> That's everydownsouth.com. Uh, I'm not affiliated with the university. I can advocate. Uh, Ethan, so what are the good folks doing at uh, Saturday Down South this week? Yeah, we've had full coverage the, the past week of ACC and Big Ten Media Days, kind of as I alluded to earlier. We've been kind of working around the clock, uh, getting coverage of that. And just as we move into camp and football season in general, we'll have obviously more coverage there of uh, our four sites. Um, Obviously, the conference, except for the Big 12. Pac-12 running into some issues here. But we've got full coverage of that as well. Did you see this? So. Did you hear about this? Pac-12 might be in trouble. Yeah. Read more <laughs> at... Let me check my notes here. Pac Saturday down south. <laughs> Pac-9 is when you're calling. <laughs> Saturday out west, the spinoff that Ethan Stone yeah. is, uh, is starting. No, we, have a, we have a site, Saturday out west. That, <laughs> but yeah. There you uh, go. Check it out there. We'll have full coverage of all of that. Uh, any, any happenings until college football season starts. There you go. Always college football star Jack Foster made his on-screen debut on Always College Football. 
uh what was that last week time is a flat circle a couple weeks that- ago yeah, yeah i was on i was on a show last week too yeah. um and then uh yeah just just occasional appearances but definitely behind the scenes social media all that good jazz um follow us at always cfb greg reacting to colorado leaving for the big 12 was a good one so got a lot of good content coming your way over at ESPN College Football YouTube and wherever you find your podcasts, always call. Did you do football. Gregory there? Was that a slip in of Gregory? Does he go by Gregory? I don't think I said Gregory. Did I? I think he said Gregory. Then he maybe Gregory. he doesn't go by Gregory though. No, I also Gregory. thought you said Gregory. In my I don't know. It might have just been a slip, but I thought you said Gregory. I don't know. I was like uh, Jack. That's how you know Jack's in with uh, Greg McElroy. Where he's like <laughs> he's Gregory in? man. Yeah, it's uh, Greg or G Mac. That's he goes by both. So. G Mac. Yeah, G Mac. Okay, I don't know. Do you go by Jack Attack? Have you ever got... Was that one? No. So my nicknames in high school were Jackie Boy. And okay. my dad created a nickname for me that caught on as Jackie Sticks because I played golf in high school. Uh, there was a former rock star named Jackie X. So that's like a part okay. of it. And I'm mm-hmm. skinny. So like sticks yeah. for arms. You know? That's so where I, I went Jackie first because I, you and I are both pretty skinny. So I thought yeah. Yeah, you just want sticks. Yeah. I like that one better. So. Jackie Sticks. I'm using that from here on out. Ethan, do you have any nicknames growing up? I really don't. I, Ethan's I, a hard I'm, one to do a nickname for. Yeah. I, I'm really... like, I had one teacher once call me Easy, but that's just because, like, that's what everyone with the first letter uh, their name would be. That's what everyone called <laughs> mm-hmm. it. I really didn't have any. They called me, oh, at, uh, at, when I worked at Chick fil A, they called me Stony because it was a thousand Ethans. <laughs> so my, my name tag actually said Stony at Chick fil A, which was that's great. Fun. <laughs> uh, so that, I guess no, that that was a nickname. I, I guess I, I could I could say that. I mean, they exclusively called me that for three years, so <laughs> I got to a point where I was responding to only that. So I guess yeah, that, that counts. I could absolutely see an alternate universe: Bizarro, Ethan Stone in L.A., who's actually a big stoner. Like I could actually see a stonery uh, in, in L.A. version of Ethan. <laughs> I thought that, about I thought about going by producer sticks. Oh, like there we go. Has a good <laughs> ring neat. to it. So. I just got Chase Bank, and it wasn't even clever. Chase Bank? Yeah. Like the people would just be like, click the bank. And they would just be like, Chase Bank. Huh. It's terrible. Chase, your job, your job for when it. Ryan comes back is is find the nickname for Ryan, and then uh, all our names, uh, put, mm. put those nicknames without telling Ryan, of course. And just whatever you come up with is, is law. Just naturally throw it out there, and he's just like, what What did I miss? I've been gone for yeah. a week, and it's just like there are nicknames. There was a lot of bonding <laughs> that Ryan was just not a part of. <laughs> Jack's a year older times moving forward it's all different well jack happy birthday sir because when folks are listening it's it's, uh will be your birthday uh to many more ethan thank you as always my friend have Mm -hmm. a great weekend to both of you and i will talk to y'all next week all right nicely done nephew Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.